Salutations, listeners. You're listening to another episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast. And I'm your host, Nathan Holloway, your doctor for jazz. And it is our mission here at the Dr. Jazz Podcast to cure whatever it is that ails you through the power and the majesty of jazz music. In this episode, we are taking kind of a 180 from some of the cliches that you may have heard before in the past. I'm sure that you've heard the, the saying, give the drummer some, give the drummer some, right? Give the drummer some love, show the drummer some love. Well, we're going to go opposite of that. <laughs> Nothing against drummers. Uh, I certainly love quite a bit of great jazz drummers. But uh, something that was... That, that, that kind of popped its head up to me was just how many great trios in jazz there are that are drummerless. And I, I started thinking, like, that's a really cool sound, you know? And uh, I started thinking, like, well, just how many? There can't be that many trios without drums, right? So I started doing some digging, and I found 21 wonderful tracks to share with you actually a little bit more than 21 but for this episode of the podcast just 21 to share with you um yeah so that's kind of the impetus behind this um episode um first of all thank you all who have written in and said that you're working your way through the podcast or have enjoyed certain episodes uh, i really appreciate you uh, and I'm super duper sorry for the long hiatus, but work has been pulling me 17 ways to Sunday um, this whole last month. So I can't necessarily promise that it's going to continually get better. Hopefully by the summer, I'll have a little bit more spaced out free time. But I will certainly uh, pop in a podcast here when I can. Um, it is a labor of love. I do not get paid for this. So keep that in mind, folks. Okay, <laughs> it is true. It is truly just for the love of spreading all this wonderful music to all y'all. So thank you for listening. Remember, without you, we are nothing. And let's get to some drummerless great jazz trios. Enjoy. That's the best Get your kicks On Route 66 It winds From Chicago to L.A. More than 2,000 miles All the way Get your kicks On Route 66 St. Louis, Joplin, Missouri, and Oklahoma City looks mighty pretty. You'll see Amarillo, 
Gallup, New Mexico, Flagstaff, Arizona, don't forget Winona, Kingman, Boston, San Bernardino, won't you get hip to this timely tip when you make that California trip. Get your kicks on Route 66.
pocket. Hit that jive jack, but I'll put it in your pocket.
All right. That was the one and only Oscar Peterson trio. With, of course, the great Oscar Peterson on piano, Ray Brown, Ray Brown, Ray Brown on that bass, and Herb Ellis on the guitar, right? And uh, this, we heard uh, Oscar and his trio play the Clifford Brown composition, Joy Spring, one of the jazz classics. Uh, from the Verve album, live at the concert, Concertigabo, I believe that's how you pronounce that. Um, and it's just full of great swinging music, uh, without a drummer, because that's our, our spotlight here. Um, <clears throat> now, in a similar fashion, th- this was actually one of the, uh, typical formats for a piano trio. Now, piano trios are either usually piano-based drums or piano-based guitar. So, um, in a similar manner, before that, we heard uh, a more modern group, Diana Krall and her trio, uh, from the album All For You, a dedication to Nat King Cole and his trio, we heard Hit That Jive Jack. And, um, yeah, and all of this, this same, this instrumentation, by the way, is actually based on the Nat King Cole trio. That's the thing that's important. Uh, Nat King Cole also had a piano, bass, guitar trio. And that's actually what we started off the set with was probably one of the most famous tunes by a jazz trio that had no drummer, Right. And that was Route 66, which is also one of the more famous tunes um, associated with Nat King Cole. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, that, that piano-based guitar trio is actually made famous by Nat King Cole. And um, it wasn't the first one to do it, but it was probably one of the most famous piano trios without drum. So, uh, yeah, and once again, that's kind of what we're spotlighting here um, on this episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast is uh, I think we're going to name this one, uh, give it a title of We've Got the Beat, Drummerless Jazz Trios. (laughs) So, uh, but as I alluded to before, so Nat King Cole was probably one of the ones that made it more famous to have a piano trio without uh, a drummer, but he was not the first, so. One of the first, not to mention one of the inspirations to not only Nat King Cole, but also, who, by the way, let me just pause right here. Nat King Cole does not get the compliments due to him for being an amazing jazz pianist. Now, we all know that he's a fantastic singer. We've all heard Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire, you know, the Christmas song. We've also heard Mona Lisa. <clears throat> unforgettable, all of those tunes, right? All of those tunes that are associated with Nat King Cole. We, we've heard those. But, besides his voice, he is one hell of a piano player, and people tend to forget that. In fact, there's a great, um, there's a great trio recording by the Lester Young trio, talking about Prez for a minute here, uh, on Verve, and the trio is, and I kid you not, Lester Young on tenor saxophone, Nat King Cole on piano, with no vocals. 
and Buddy Rich on the drums. Saxophone, drums, and piano, right? So obviously wouldn't work for this episode of the podcast, but it's one hell of a trio. And Nat King Cole is only left to his pianistic devices. And he hangs. He hangs solidly with Prez and with Buddy Rich. So if you hadn't checked out that record, by all means, check out that record. But coming up, starting this next set, is somebody who not only influenced Nat King Cole, but also influenced Oscar Peterson. Who could it be? Stick around and find out. You're listening to the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Thank you. 
All right. So that last tune was a tune called Fenwick's Farfel. <laughs> uh, recorded in April 1956 by the great Vince Guaraldi trio. And of course, that's Vince Guaraldi on the piano, Eddie Duran on the guitar, not to be confused with the boxer, and Dean Riley on the bass. <clears throat> this was recorded for Fantasy Records uh, back in 56. And um, yeah, it's another example, a great example of a piano trio um, without a drummer. So there you have it, uh, bass, guitar, and piano. Yet another example of that same format. Um, and you may actually know Vince Guaraldi and his work better as the pianist uh, who played on all of the Charlie Brown uh, Peanuts cartoons uh, and television specials. Uh, he actually wrote all the music for that, Linus and Lucy and, and such. Um, yeah, in fact, even all the uh, the Christmas holiday Charlie Brown stuff. So, you know, like Christmas time is here and skating and, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. So that's what he's known best for. But uh, he made a series of recordings with a piano trio minus a drummer. Sans beat, if you will. Um, before that, we heard the the actual tune that I was listening to that actually spawned this whole idea for this uh, episode of the podcast. And it's the Ahmad Jamal Trio. Uh, featuring, of course, Ahmad Jamal on the piano, Ray Crawford on the guitar, and Israel Crosby on the bass. It's another piano-guitar-bass trio, but um, something worth noting here is we listen to Love for Sale, and it's about an an eight-minute-plus tune recording, and what's really hip is that the guitar player uses um, his pickups and his pick to act like bongos. So we like he, he palm mutes. Whenever you palm mute a guitar string, it kind of gets like a, a hollow sound to it when it's amplified, right? So um, he basically found two kind of harmonic spots on, on the guitar strings, palm muted it, and made it sound like... And it made it sound like a bongo. Um, and I don't know. To me, I'm just like, man, that swings. That is so hip. And then, you know, I, I, I'm such a Dizzy fan, Dizzy Gillespie fan. Anyway, that when they went into kind of like a little Manteca, you know, motif near the end there, I'm like, okay, I'm hooked. This is like one of my, my favorite versions of Love for Sale now. Um, but it just kind of hit me like all of a sudden, like that's so cool that he could make that he could provide almost a percussion-like element without any percussion in the in, within the trio. So, I don't know. To me, that kind of stands out because it's different than uh, what some of the trios were doing uh, that we had heard before, like with Nat King Cole or Diana Krall, or even Oscar Peterson, for that matter. I mean, Herb Ellison sitting there playing bongos with his electric guitar, right? Right, so... Um, Something interesting to note there. So, yeah. And I thought it was super hip, and I wanted to share that with y'all. Now, uh, we started off the set with one of the 
groups that kind of um, were one of the earliest incarnations of the piano, guitar, bass formation without drums. And we heard Body and Soul by the one and only Art Tatum Trio. Now, if there was ever a pianist that did not ever need a trio, it was Art Tatum. <clears throat> the man could absolutely carry a room on his own. Um, yeah, but his trio consisted of the great Slam Stewart on the bass and Tiny Grimes on the guitar, of course, alongside, you know, the genius himself, Art Tatum, on the piano. Uh, and we heard, like I said, Body and Soul, and that's one of my absolute favorite versions of Body and Soul. I've only got like 175, you know, different versions of Body and Soul that I love. But that one I love because it, it displays two different sides of Tatum. One, it, it displays this beautiful, like, f- you know, florid and, and, and romantic side in the beginning and then he bam like a uh you know a shotgun went off at a race he starts going in double time and it just cooks man and they don't need a drummer they don't need a drummer to like give like a fill and then bam you're off to the races no they don't need that and they certainly didn't lose any beat um going to that kind of a clip as well so and, you know, I, I'm currently um, trying to read uh, Count Basie's autobiography, Good Morning Blues, um, a little bit before I go to bed. <laughs> and trust me, some nights I'm so tired you only get like two to five pages in and you're just conked out. But um, I recently read this story to where they were out on the West Coast, I want to say, like L.A. And it was during i think the late 30s early 40s it was during world war 2 and a lot of uh, the players were getting snatched up by the draft and um he needed a drummer and buddy rich was playing with tommy dorsey's big band uh basically in town so he said you know i, I- i'm there for you count you know so buddy rich came in on drums and uh, they <laughs> When they, when they, you know, for the sound check, and when they came back later that night, he brought along, he, he basically said he looked up, and there was Tommy Dorsey in the trombone section as well, playing along with all those cats, just having a good old time. And then he feels a tap on his back. This is Count Basie. And it was the great Art Tatum. And he said, what key you in, Bass? And he said, oh, you go on, you get out of here. You know, because he said... <laughs> I knew that if I would have let him, and no, it didn't matter what key. I knew that if I would have let Art Tatum sit down at that piano, I would have had no job in there. So I just said, now you just go run on. <laughs> so that's how good, that's a testament to how good Art Tatum was uh, among his peers like Count Basie. And, and yeah, he was feared. He was loved, but he was feared. <laughs> he had an amazing talent. Um and in fact, Oscar Peterson, that's his biggest idol, was Art Tatum. He used to cry as a child uh, because he couldn't play quite like Art Tatum. Now, the thing about Art Tatum is, and I've stated this before in other podcasts, but I'll reiterate here, is Art Tatum is legally blind. Art Tatum uh, grew up in a very, um, you know, 
low to middle class, you know, family, and they had a player piano, um, and he loved the sound of those piano rolls. So he wanted to learn how to play, so he placed his fingers right there on all of these moving piano keys. And he basically memorized songs by, you know, certain displacement of those keys pressing down. I'm trying to describe this in words, you know. Um, But what he didn't realize is that, you know, you could have a piano roll that was for dueling pianos on one roll. It could be, they would have recorded two versions, like the same as two pianos dueling it out. And that was his favorite piano roll to learn from are the dueling piano rolls. So essentially Art Tatum learned how to play two pianos at once and that's how he was able to do so many of those flourishes and those runs and things like that. And a lot of people think that um, in combination with Coleman Hawkins recording of Body and Soul that Art Tatum's florid style of improvisation on the piano is one of the things that ushered in the style that we now know as bebop. Because when Charlie Parker took a job as a dishwasher, it was in this chicken shack sort of restaurant. And more than anything, it was just to hear Art Tatum play night after night after night after night after night. So, say what you will, but I think Art Tatum, alongside with Coleman Hawkins, uh, are two of the big influencers of the bebop movement. So, enough from me. Uh... (laughs) Enough talking. Um, Now you've got your whole history lesson on Art Tatum. Uh, But yeah, I love that trio version of Love for Sale. So, uh, Yeah, remember, you can find all of this information about these artists and their tracks. So you don't have to write all this stuff down. We've got all of it on our website. So please check out our website. It's Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z Podcast.wordpress.com. And there you can find album art, and all the information of the artists and the tracks that you heard in order on this podcast, okay? And if you'd like to write to us, just hit that contact button right up at the top and feel free to write an email, you know, and we would love to hear from you. Uh, We will answer you back. We can't promise that we'll email you right back because, you know, work's kind of crazy busy, but we will email you back, guaranteed, okay? Cool. Now, Let's get back to some more great drummerless trios in jazz.
All right. One of the classic jazz standards written by the great Kenny Dorham, Blue Bassa. And depending on where you are in the country, some areas call that the jazz anthem <laughs> because it's played so often at jam sessions. Um, another great trio, um, Sans Drums. We heard the Milt Jackson Trio with Milt Jackson bags himself on the vibraphone, the great Joe Pass on guitar, and Ray Brown once again on the bass. Comes from a 1975 recording called The Big Three. Um, he had a lot of great tunes on here too. Come Sunday, uh, Nuages, Moon Glow, Wave. You stepped out of a dream, and they even have a version of the Pink Panther to cap it all off. I mean, go figure, man. There you go. Um, before that, in the middle of the set there, we heard from one of my absolute favorite trios, Drums or No Drums. Everybody should know about this trio. They're that important. They're that hip. Uh, it's the Red Norvo Trio. And if some of you who are even seasoned jazz guys are going, what the hell, who, what, huh? Red Norvo <coughs> was a vibraphone player for the Woody Herman big band way back in the day. And then he kind of broke off and did some recordings on his own. And he had the good sense to hire a guitar and bass to go with his vibraphone. Much like what we heard before right there with um, Mel Jackson. Now, he decided to get Tal Farlow on guitar, who is one sensational guitarist, and the great Charles Mingus on bass. That's not a bad trio. So, Red Norvo, vibraphone, Charles Mingus, bass, Tal Farlow, guitar, uh, recorded in 1950, and one, two, three, four, five, six... Uh, about probably about six tunes recorded in 1951. There's 20 tracks on this album, and it is just absolutely phenomenal and uh, great arrangements. We heard "I'll Remember April," uh, pretty fitting because we're in the month of April. Uh, but it almost sounds modal in in, in certain spots there because it it, it kind of is reminiscent of Herbie Hancock's "Maiden Voyage." Although, you know, it was quite a while before Maiden Voyage. Um, but that's how forward-thinking these three guys were in their arranging of these uh, standards and tunes. So, uh, highly, highly, highly recommend that album, the Red Norvo Trio. And then we started off the set with, that's right, the same guitarist, Tal Farlow, but this time with his trio, which is yet again a vibraphone bass guitar trio. But this time... It's not Charles Mingus and Red Norvo. It's Tal Farlow on guitar along with Eddie Costa on the piano and Vinnie Burke on the bass. I'm sorry. It's a, it's another piano trio minus drums. Uh, but this time it's led by the guitarist. Tal Farlow on guitar, Eddie Costa on um, piano, and Vinnie Burke on bass. Although I think Eddie Costa played a little vibraphone too. Anyway, I'll have to double check on that. But we heard, like someone in love, the great standard there. And it comes from the Verve 
album from 1956, The Swinging Guitar of Tal Farlow. <clears throat> and uh, once again, if you'd like all of the info and album art so you know exactly what to order or get uh, from your local record store, if you have one, please support them. Um, then you can just check out our website, Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z podcast.wordpress.com. Uh, yeah. And remember, you can find us wherever you find your podcast, whether that's Apple Podca- Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. We are there. So feel free to subscribe, like, all that good stuff. And uh, on the website, if you'd want to contact us, hit contact, and it'll take you to an email straight to us, and we will respond back. We'd love to hear from you. Okie dokie. Um, I'm going to keep this break brief and get back to the music because we got a lot, lot, lot of great jazz coming up for you. So do not go anywhere. Stang, and just hang tight and get ready to dig some more great sounds here on the Dodge Jazz Podcast. <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay, so if some of you are scratching your head going, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, I heard a clarinet, and I at least know there was one saxophone, and there was like a bass and a guitar, you know what I mean, that's like four people, that's not a trio, what's up, you know, no, 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 see, that's where you're wrong, it's the Jimmy Jufri 3, with the song called The Train and the River, uh, composed by the great Jimmy Jufri as well, um, Ralph Pena is on the bass. The one and only Jim Hall is on the guitar. And Jimmy Jufri, besides being the great composer and arranger that he is, uh, was playing all three wind instruments. So that's Jimmy Jufri that you hear on the tenor saxophone, the berry saxophone, and the clarinet. And he not only is a multi-instrumentalist composer and arranger. He, uh, he had a very identifiable personal sound on the clarinet. It was very airy. It was almost like the Paul Desmond of the clarinet, if you will. Uh, it had this whispery quality, and you could tell right away, uh, within like two notes, that's Jimmy Jufri. There's no doubt about it. And a beautiful sound on the tennis saxophone and the berry sax at that. In fact, Jimmy Jufri was the one who wrote the song for Brothers for Woody Herman. Since we mentioned Woody Herman earlier with Red Norvo. Um, if you remember the song Four Brothers with Stan Getz and Serge Chaloff and Zoot Sims and all those cats. Alcone. Uh, Jimmy Jufri was the one who wrote that. And I think he was in the section, too. So, um, yeah, that's kind of when Woody Herman decided to go more of a bop direction. Um, even though Jimmy Jufri is kind of known as a cool school cat. So, go figure. You know, like a cool jazz style. Um, yeah, but Jimmy Jufri, don't sleep on that name. Um, because that dude is everywhere. And... When he even, in, later on in his career, he had an incredibly um, challenging trio, which really pushed the music to the envelope with the great Steve Swallow and Paul Blay. Um, and I really thought about using some of that stuff um, because it is so challenging and different. Uh, because that's piano, bass, and clarinet work. But I figured I should play the train in the river because he's doubling on a lot of wind instruments. And then I could still talk about the, the great trio that he had um, with Paul Blay on piano and Steve Swallow on the bass. Um, albums like Free Fall, 1961, you know. Uh, these were all cool, um, challenging, you know, 
listening album. So, uh, yeah, you owe it to yourself if you're interested in some kind of new jazz. It's not Miles Davis or, you know, John Coltrane or whatever to check out. Check out Jimmy Jufri, you know. Last name is G-I-U-F-F-R-E. Jimmy Jufri. Yeah. Cool, cool cat to check out. All right, in the middle of that set, we heard a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous tune that had this like kind of Latin feel to it, and it was just so slow, like a bead of sweat just slowly dripping down the side of a cold glass on a hot August day. Oh, man. Um, This is one of my absolute favorite tracks by the Chet Baker Trio. And it's called Leaving. And it's a tune that was composed by the great pianist Richie Byrock. And if you're not familiar with Richie Byrock, um, he played a lot with Dave Liebman. Uh, They even had a group together called Quest. And a lot of that music is incredible music. Um, There's a great version of Ornette Coleman's Lonely Woman that they do with Dave Liebman playing the flute believe it or not, um, for the melody. And it almost sounds like this minimalist, like Kyoto music or something. So anyway, um, but besides that, Richie Byrock also had a bunch of his own albums on ECM that were very well done. Um, And in addition to that, he also played on a lot of the early, early John Abercrombie quartet records. And I believe... That's where you'll find one version of Leaving by Richie Byrock. Um, It clocks in just under 10 minutes, um, but it's so worth it because the the empathy and conversation that the the three of these guys share is just unbelievable. Uh, Of course, it's Chet Baker on the trumpet. Jean-Louis Rassenvoss is on the bass. And the great Philip Catherine is on guitar. And he does not get enough love in in, in today's jazz circles either. Uh, But a really talented, tasteful musician, Philip Catherine. Um, And I do just love that track by the Chet Baker Trio. And it is on their um, album Crystal Bells. So, yeah, Mm, just really, really, really good stuff. All right. And then we started off the set with uh, an album dedicated to the music of Herbie Hancock, and it's called Finger Painting. And it's more of a modern album, but it's still a drummerless trio uh, that features the great Christian McBride on bass, Nicholas Payton on the trumpet, and the great Mark Whitfield on guitar. And we heard the three of them perform Herbie Hancock's composition, Eye of the Hurricane, which, I actually mentioned this album earlier, comes from the album Maiden Voyage on Blue Note Records, the original version. Uh, But this one is on the Verve record label, um, and like I said, it's called Finger Painting, the music of Herbie Hancock. And every track is a tune composed by Herbie Hancock, performed by these three masters of jazz improvisation. So I highly suggest you check it out if you haven't already. All right. Let's see. We got one, two, three sets coming up for you. Um, 
Yeah, some of the music on this next one is just some some of the most gorgeous music ever. Whew. Yeah, it's it's some beautiful stuff. So do not go anywhere. You are listening to Drummerless Jazz Trios here on this episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Don't go away.
Beautiful, beautiful jazz explorations right there with another drummerless trio, which is our spotlight on this episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast. We just heard What Is This Thing Called Love uh, with a beautiful little uh, turnaround head there at the end of Subconsciously, uh, based on the changes of Cole Porter's What Is This Thing Called Love. And it was... um, a trio date uh, recorded on December 21st, 22nd, live at the Jazz Bakery. I would guess 1996 because this came out in 1997, uh, featuring a beautiful exploratory trio there of Lee Konitz, of course, on the alto saxophone, Brad Meldow on the piano, and the one and only Charlie Hayden on the bass. In fact, kudos because they actually let Charlie Hayden just kind of have his own little moment there just to kind of stretch out and stroll along uh, with his own ideas and uh, it's just one of many standards Uh, there's six tracks here and they're all beautiful standards carefully beautifully done uh, by this trio on an album called Alone Together on Blue Note Records it's just gorgeous music Um, yeah God, just so good. Um, before that, we heard Vashkar, uh, an original composition by the one and only genius composer, Carla Blay. There's no one like Carla. There'll never be another Carla. She is uh, a rarity, and we should actually talk about Carla Blay a lot more than what we do. I mean, she's a living legend. She's an incredible arranger, composer, band leader, um, improviser, keyboardist. She plays synthesizers, pianos, organs, you name it. Um, there's times that she even has some humorous tunes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, just, man, anything Carla does is definitely worth listening to. And... Um, we heard her original composition, Vashkar, in this setting with a drummerless trio featuring Steve Swallow on the electric bass, Andy Shepard on saxophones, and Carla on the piano. Um, we heard uh, Vashkar, and it comes from the ECM album Trios. So, And they've actually performed together as a trio for quite a while as a little side project of Carla's, um, besides her big band. So, I mean, we all really, I mean, I know a bunch of um, arrangers and composers that hold Carla in very high esteem, but I think, you know, it's overdue time that even the casual jazz listener should really give Carla their due and their respect and their time to listen to a bunch of her compositions and... Um, her amazing arrangements, and her band. So, I mean, she's had, God, everybody come through from Hiram Bullock to Howard Johnson, Steve Slagle, lots of great cats um, in and out of her bands. Not to mention, even in the earlier groups, um, like on Escalator Over the Hill and Tropic Appetites, Man, let's see, there was Paul Motion, who's played with her, Ginger Baker from Cream, 
Um, yeah, that ginger bit, like the Rock Trio cream. Um, man, Gato Barbieri, Pharaoh Sanders. Um, she was part of the, the JCOA, the Jazz Composers Orchestra. Um, yeah, man, I mean, Carla's done it all. Not to mention she was married to Paul Blay for a while there, so, I mean, you know, you know she had good taste, so, I mean, there you go. Um, no, Carla, everybody should look up more stuff by Carla Blay. That's my soapbox on Carla. Uh, a true living genius among us. Uh, then we started off the set with another beautiful ECM trio um, on an album called Folk Songs. We heard Egberto Gismonti on piano and guitar. Um, actually, it says eight string guitar, super eight guitar, and piano. And Jan Garbarek on tenor and soprano saxophones. And once again, Charlie Hayden on the double bass. Um, 1981 record, Folk Songs. We heard the last track on that album, a Charlie Hayden composition called For Tariah. And no doubt that was for um, Alice Coltrane. You know, that's one of her surnames, is Tariah. And uh, Charlie Hayden was very close with uh, Alice Coltrane. And in fact, he was on some of her albums, uh, so make sure you check that out. Some great Alice Coltrane stuff as well. Um, and to kind of tie up some of the loose ends, I know that we had Charlie Hayden on the bookends there on the first track and the last track, but Charlie Hayden actually had a group with Carla Blay called the Liberation Music Orchestra. And the two would, uh, it was like an all-star kind of big band sort of thing. Um, they've had they've quite a stream of records, about, I guess, five, six, seven records. And, um, man, everybody who's anybody has come through uh, the Liberation Music Orchestra from uh, Tom Harrell, Miguel Zinon, um, God, I mean, you name it, man, Don Cherry, jeez, um, Joe Lovano, I mean, tons. Of, I mean, this is just off the top of my head. I don't like have it right in front of me. You know what I mean? Um, but it's well worth checking out if you've never heard the Liberation Music Orchestra. It's co-led by each other, uh, by Carla Blay and Charlie Hayden. Um, they've done some protest songs. Um, yeah, they even did an album um, during George W. Bush's administration called Not In Our Name. And they did like the Star Spangled Banner and Minor. And um, this is not Pat Metheny's This Is Not America. You know, it's just, man, beautiful music. And another album they did uh, with the Liberation Music Orchestra is called Ballad of the Fallen, um, which really hits a little deeper and a little harder right now with all the situation going on in Ukraine. Um I urge anybody who has like um, a streaming service or access to YouTube or just has the album, reflect on that one in the near future because that's such a, a poignant album to begin with. Um, but especially now, it, it, it carries a deeper connotation. And, and to me, that's a testament of great art that it can resonate deeply over different periods of time. 
in that album, at least to my ears. Uh, definitely feels that way. So check out Ballad of the Fallen by the Liberation Music Orchestra. You won't be disappointed. It's very deep, moving music. So, um, all right. So we got two more sets coming for you. I mean, we are dealing with the subject of drummerless jazz trios here on this episode of the Dodge Jazz Podcast. Remember, every song you hear on this episode, you can actually find on our website. And our website is Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z Podcast. No spaces or anything, right? Dot WordPress.com. And there you can find album art, the, the tracks in the order that you heard them, um, all the artists' names spelled correctly. Uh, and if you scroll to the top there, you can hit the contact button and you can email us and we would love to hear from you. So uh, let us know what you think about the show uh, or just the podcast in general. Okay. So, uh, and we will write you back guaranteed, maybe not right away, but we will write you back. So, um, yeah, so let's get to some more music. All right. So we've got a bunch of really cool stuff. We've got some bebop stuff, some trad jazz coming at you, some gorgeous ballads and, um, some surprises too. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to drummerless jazz trios here on the Dr. Jazz podcast.
So that was uh, Duke Ellington's great composition, Perdido. And what we heard there was the Louis Cottrell trio featuring McNeil Bro. Uh, that's B-R-E-A-U-X, by the way, on the bass. Emmanuel Sales on the guitar. And Louis Cottrell on the clarinet. Uh, recorded in January of 1961. Uh, this track and many others can be found on the New Orleans Living Legends series, Bourbon Street, the Lewis Cottrell Trio on Riverside Records. From the limited, edi- limited edition series of Original Jazz Classics. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to read the little square on the back of the, the CD here. And then I'm going to give a word or two because Louis Cottrell deserves a little love right now. Um, a student of the legendary Lorenzo Tio Jr. and Barney Bigard, and the son of one of New Orleans' most influential drummers, Louis Cottrell was a master of the Albert System clarinet favored by Creole musicians. See, let me pause right there. There are two different kinds of clarinets for those of y'all who aren't in the know-how. Right, so you have the Albert system clarinet, and then you have the BAME system clarinet, which is the B O E H M BAME. And most of the big band era leaders, such as like Artie Shaw and and Benny Goodman, and you know a lot of Woody Herman, right? A lot of those cats, even some of the cats you see today, like um, Paquita de Rivera, they all play. Um, BAME system clarinets. So if you have a kid who starts off on clarinet in like a beginner band in like sixth grade or something, they always start off, it's now the standard system for clarinet, the BAME system, because it's been around for a long, long, long time. Now, before the BAME system became the standard, you had the Albert system clarinet. And It's still the same fingerings, etc., but there were different mechanisms, let's put it that way, that allowed um, the keys to go down in a different, you know, way. And because of this different mechanism, it was more old school, and it also allowed for uh, easier scoops. You know, think about the beginning of... uh, Rhapsody in Blue, with the clarinet scoop and the smear that right? So that smear scoop thing uh, is really hard to do on a BAME system clarinet. But on an Albert system, any one of those smears and kind of extra out-of-the-ordinary unorthodox techniques... Um, come a little bit easier on those clarinets, and they have uh, a little bit more of an airiness, I believe, uh, to them. Now, I'm sure if you were to scour, you know, uh, different websites and uh, places, uh, maybe eBay, you could probably find an Albert System clarinet, and more than likely you'll find one that needs repair. The problem is is that they're different size pads and mechanisms and nobody really fixes Albert system clarinets anymore. So you would literally have to send it off to an Albert you know, system clarinet specialist. But 
Now, see, I play saxophone and clarinet, so I have a little bit of know-how in this wheelhouse. But, um, man, I, I will say this, that um, even the mouthpieces are a little bit smaller, so it's not like they're interchangeable. So either you're an Albert guy or you're a Bane guy, you know, like whatever one is your camp. And 99% of the cats who play Albert System clarinets are not only jazz cats. They are traditional New Orleans style jazz cats. So um, let that be known. So what you heard there on Perdido was Louis Cottrell playing an Albert System clarinet, which is rare, but there you go. Now, um, he was a powerful presence on his hometown's music scene. That's a New Orleans music scene. Uh, he was president of the Musicians Union and a widely heard sideman when he organized this trio for Riverside's Living Legend series and the intimate magic he created with a major assist from the guitar and occasional banjo of Emmanuel Sales. was so convincing on this record that the band became a regular working unit, more polite and subtle than the city's downtown music, because let's face it, New Orleans is usually known for in-your-face kind of music. And this is very light, nice, polite style. Uh, the Creole jazz of Louis Cottrell and company remains an intimate, low-key delight. And, you know, he has got an incredible version, which I've, I'm sure that I have shared in, in previous podcasts here at the Dr. Jazz Podcast, whether it's from Mardi Gras, etc. Um, he's got an incredible version of Bourbon Street Parade. But, um, you know, that's the thing. It's a lot of cats, they may know, even seasoned jazz listeners, they may know like Bonnie Beegard and, you know, um, Russell Procope and Jimmy Hamilton and, you know, um, like I said before, Benny Goodman, Artie Shaw, Woody Herman, even Jimmy Jufri that we heard earlier in the podcast here, you know, um, Pee Wee Russell. Some may even go as far as knowing Pee Wee Russell and Frank Teschmacher. Um, perhaps Jimmy Noon, Johnny Dodds. But not a lot of people talk about Louis Cottrell. Now, even there, there might be some cats out there that love Dr. Michael White and that traditional style. And, you know, what is it, George Lewis, right? The, the, the jazz clarinet player, part of the whole... Uh, what do they call it? The Dixieland Revival of the 50s and the early 60s. But not a lot of folks know about Louis Cottrell. And he's such a pleasant sound to the ear. He really is. And every one of these tracks are like that. It's not like this one track is nice and low-key and then the rest are just brash in your face sort of style of, of New Orleans music. Every one of these are really nice, low-key. Like, this is the perfect album. If you were wanting to do like a New Orleans brunch sort of thing. You know what I'm saying? So, if that's something you're looking for, do yourself a favor. Try to find the Lewis Cottrell Trio from the Living Legend series. And you will be pleasantly delighted as well all your brunch guests. So there you have it. Alright, that's my soapbox on Lewis Cottrell. Love, 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 love him. Um, before that, in the middle of the set, one of my favorite musicians, um, so tasteful, so, such a beautiful tone, um, he's got, uh, a Twitter account, 
He's got an Instagram, and you can follow him. His name is Dimitri Matheny. Not to be confused with Matheny, like Pat Matheny. Totally different spelling. This is M-A-T-H-E-N-Y. And Dimitri Matheny is an incredible flugelhorn player. Um, he, he truly is one of my favorite musicians um, in more modern years. And here he is with a drummerless trio of Daryl Grant on the piano and Bill Douglas on the bass. Um, he, he's a great composer, besides being a great flugelhorn player as well. And you can hear a bunch of his compositions on this CD called Starlight Cafe off of Monarch Records um, circa 1998. Um but yeah, I mean, what we heard was the opening track, Stardust, the Hoagie Mar- Carmichael classic. Um, but there's ten tracks on this entire CD, and they're all just gorgeous. Um, including Joe Locke's original composition, Saturn's Child, uh, that he performed with Frank Kim- recorded with Frank Kimbrough and himself. Uh, that's just phenomenal. Uh, Corcovado is another great standard on here. When lights are low, and then there's also great original compositions: um, "Whisper Muse," "Geneva," "Suka Nova," uh, all by Dimitri Matheny as well. So, you know, once again, if you're talking about like um, very low-key kind of music, just to grab your ears uh, with that perfect cocktail or something, you know, late-night contemplation music, this is it, baby, because. I mean, this cat's where it's at. Gorgeous, gorgeous flugelhorn tone. And, and and the feeling comes through as well. So it's one of my favorite versions of Stardust, you know. And hopefully after hearing it, it will be yours too. So give Demetria Matheny a, a follow on um, Twitter and on Instagram. And let him know that you heard his music here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast and that you enjoyed it as well. And then we started off that set uh, with another trumpet-based piano trio, uh, and we heard Parker's Mood, uh, which is the name of the album that it comes off of, off of Verve Records. Uh, it's in a complete Charlie Parker dedication album called Parker's Mood, and it features uh, Stephen Scott on the piano, Christian McBride on the upright bass, and the one and only... Roy Hargrove on trumpet and flugelhorn. Um, and yeah, 16 Charlie Parker classics. Uh, Steeplechase, Marmaduke, Parker's Mood, Star Eyes, Chasing the Bird, Dewey Square, Laird Baird, Red Cross, Yardbird Suite, Dexterity. I mean, just a ton of them, man. And it's nice to hear a Charlie Parker dedication album without a saxophone. Don't get me wrong, I'm a saxophone player, but it's nice to hear other folks show their love for Bird. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, if you dug Parker's Mood, then definitely get a hold of that album. You will not be disappointed. So, yeah, man. Roy Hargrove, Dimitri Matheny, and Louis Cottrell. What do you know? Three great, great artists right there. Um, all right. So we've got 
one more set coming for you. We really do appreciate you listening. Uh, like I said before, we're nothing without y'all. So um, we do appreciate it. We apologize for the hiatus, but work's just been absolutely bonkers. So hang tight with me. You know, though I'm not going to give up on y'all. I love this podcast, and it is a labor of love. You know, I'm not making any money off this thing, right? So I'm just trying to spread the, the good vibes of jazz music. So, um, yeah, don't forget to check out our website, uh, Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z Podcast.wordpress.com uh, for all the info on the album art, artists, track titles, etc. Okay? Um, yeah, so let's get to this last set of great music, and I hope you enjoy it. Thank <laughs> you. 
right, man. So we started off that set with Melody for C, written by the great Sonny Clark. And it comes from the album News for Lulu, with the great uh, actress from the 1920s movies, Louise Brooks, and her sexy self on the cover. Um, nobody really talks about Louise Brooks anymore. I don't know why. Fantastic um, anyway, the trio, the drummerless trio, was none other than George Lewis, not the clarinet player, but the contemporary trombone player, George Lewis, along with Bill Frizzell on guitar, and the one and only John Zorn on alto saxophone. And they're just basically blowing over a whole batch of blue note tunes, and it's just, it's fantastic music great interplay and in fact it did so well that they created a recorded a sequel album called more news for lulu uh yeah fantastic swinging stuff and in the middle there we heard the one and only one of my favorite trumpet players marcus printout um with his wife uh reza hekib hekibal i'm totally butchered that and i apologize sincerely um his wife, uh, Riza, is on the harp, and Kingo Nakamura is on the upright bass. And so it's a bass-harp-trumpet trio. And uh, it comes from a ste- Steeplechase Records release, A Time for Love. And they're playing through a bunch of standards and stuff, but uh, I couldn't help but pick the, the gorgeous rendition that they all uh, perform of I Remember Clifford written by the great Benny Golson in honor of Clifford Brown. And then, a very odd trio to end, uh, we heard Infant Eyes, the great Wayne Shorter composition, with the one and only Joe Lovano on tenor saxophone, featuring Kenny Werner on the piano and Toots Tillmans on the harmonica. So that's right, you heard it here. Piano, harmonica, tenor sax. And yet it sounds gorgeous. And it comes from Joe's uh, Blue Note Records album, Flights of Fancy, Trio Fascination Edition 2. Yeah, and the Trio Fascination is just different trios and playing some outrageously great stuff. Um, But you can't go wrong with a Wayne Shorter tune in Joe Lovano's hands. So... That concludes our program, um, Drummerless Jazz Trios. We certainly hope that you dug it and uh, maybe heard a couple of tunes and artists that you maybe didn't know. So, um, yeah, remember, you can check out all of these artists on our website and every episode we do this. Uh, Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z Podcast.wordpress.com. Uh, feel free to write to us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, So yeah, and until next time, remember, we love you madly, in the famous words of Duke Ellington. We're nothing without you, right? So until next time, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Y'all be good now, because in jazz, we trust.